what's going on, everybody? How's it hanging? How's it happening? You guys know what it is. This is Kevin from the Code Progression Podcast for Timber City Rock for Rock and Metal Thrive. Happy Thursday, everybody. It is the 18th of March, and man, I got a great one for today. So thanks to the Donald Media Group, we got in contact with a band called Suicide for a King, playing this melodic metal core style out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And Jeremy, the lead singer, is on the show today. And well, let me give you a quick rundown of the show because this is interesting. There is Yes, we talk all about SpongeBob. We also go through all this great metalcore stuff, but then also we talk about live shows returning and we also dive in deep to how bands are gonna have to adapt, potentially playing at much smaller venues due to the amount of so- demand that these bands are gonna have to be playing on limited stage time. And we, again, we just go through all this stuff and just the theory behind different live shows and how to make sure that Suicide for a King stands out when live shows return, hopefully later in 2021. Are you guys ready? Because this one is full of just greatness, goodness, and overall badassery. Are you ready? So let's go. Well, 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 ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, listeners of the Chord Progression Podcast, you know I always like to bring the heat with some bands, and when it comes to metalcore, you know ever since 2019, I got into that so damn hard, just I love the genre right now, and when I saw this band come across my email, I'm like, you know what, let's have a listen, I just said, you know what, after one listen to one of their songs, that song being the worst of us, I'm like, I gotta get them on the podcast. And bing, bang, boom, here we go. Please welcome from the band Suicide for a King out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Please welcome Jeremy. So, Jeremy, welcome to Core Good Progression Podcast. Good morning, Core Progression, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, that might be the best like intro that someone has also come in with as well. Usually, just get the. Hey man, how's it going? Thanks for having us. But no, no, no. You bring in your full-on Robin Williams style. We're always intro. going big. <laughs> go big or go home, and I'm already home, so there's only one way to go about it, right? Yeah. That's all right. That's right. <laughs> I absolutely love it. Alrighty, well, Jeremy, I always like to start out the podcast with this so that the audience can get to know you a little bit more as well. So I always ask the same three questions. The first yeah. two questions, very easy, very simple, very nice to work with. The last one, though, is my favorite. So the first two questions I ask you is, A, what is your name? Two, what do you do in the band Suicide for a King? But the third one is, I want to know a little fun fact, a little fun story about yourself, just to kind of just, you know, get to know you a little bit more. However, I always like to hear the craziest, wackiest thing you can think of. I've heard of people telling about how they got their pets famous on Instagram and Twitter. I've heard bands talk to me about how they chloroformed another member and buried them halfway in the beach just because they thought it was funny. I've heard people give me their Tinder bios because they thought it was hilarious. So whatever you got to make me laugh, go for it. Well, okay. Uh, I didn't see this question coming. So uh, can we <laughs> pass to the next one? <laughs> okay, no, no, okay. Uh, hey, man, this is Jane, Jeremy, because Jay's an abbreviation from Jeremy. From Suicide for a King, I'm the singer of the band. I'll do the vocals and stuff like that, but you know what a singer does. And for a, a fun fact in the band, uh, there's so many that I can name one. <laughs> okay, no, no, no. I, I'm going to try to na- name one, but it's so hard. Okay. Uh, something funny. Okay, um, in the band, we're all big SpongeBob fans. 
So uh, it's kind of a reference when everyone uh, when we do some stuff. Example, uh, we name one of our new creation one one song. We name it uh, chocolate. Why we name it chocolate? The only reason is when uh, SpongeBob trying to sell uh, chocolate to uh, a whole lady, and she screamed three times, "Chocolate! Chocolate! They sell it chocolate!" Oh, <laughs> the only reason. Oh, chocolate! I remember chocolate. Sweet, sweet chocolate. I always hated it. <laughs> That's the exact this scene, but in French. That's funny because in French, uh, there's there's, a, there's a, some difference in the translation, and the scene is magic. But in French, the translation is so the voice they put it. It's so funny that we have to put a name for one of our songs. But it's not the official name, but it's the reference name for us to know it. Okay, totally understandable. And also, when it comes to SpongeBob, I mean, you're talking to someone who. When I was a kid, I'd watch SpongeBob like for hours on end. It was probably the, my favorite show to watch. And even when I was in college, there was a time where all of a sudden it was my, I think it was my junior year, me and my roommates, we were just like, we were just talking. We were like, you know, it'd be hilarious. We got drunk one night, started watching SpongeBob and just saw what happened. Then I went home like the next weekend and I realized that I had the DVDs for season one and season two of SpongeBob. So these are like oh, some of the shit. earlier episodes, <laughs> some of the really good ones. So I brought it back and they're just like, <gasps> What? So there are a couple of different nights where we just popped in a couple of these DVDs, got drunk and watched SpongeBob. And of course, every time Patrick came on, I had to do my best impersonation of Patrick and just, you know, enjoy. Probably I didn't do a good job, though, because I was I, I don't remember what I was doing. I mean, my vision was blurry. Things were going up and down. I was slurring my words. It's probably like, I tried to do that. On the boat? <laughs> yeah, but I was, but you know, if you, when, when you have, you know, you know, like 12, 13 beers in like two hours, you just kind of start <laughs> drifting off like. <laughs> so, I mean, they, my friends might have thought I was, you know, spot on with it. But if we really record it, I probably would have been like gone viral for horrible SpongeBob impersonations. Mm -hmm. That's funny because uh, right now we're all adult and I talk with people in the scene that they're all like adult they're not kid anymore but we all can reference to spongebob and we can all have a big laugh and everybody knows the lyrics and the the, the sentences between the each episode but only the first two or three seasons and i know we still can connect with everybody who listen to it and that's amazing man that, i mean that's just what happens when you have like a, a show even if it's a cartoon that was very popular i mean in, like, extremely popular let's say yeah 20 years ago when it was like season one season two season three mm -hmm. And a lot of us, I mean, you know, subtract 20 years from our age. I mean, if I subtract 20 years from my age, I'm six years old at that point when I'm watching this stuff. Mm -hmm. And all my mind cares about when I'm a first grader is sports and SpongeBob. That's all that matters. So all of that is still stuck in my head. And then going back and watching, especially with how popular SpongeBob has become, especially online with, you know, there's a meme, there's, there's a SpongeBob reference for any type of situation, a meme, yeah. absolutely anything. So every time you see some weird, weird kind of meme, why don't we take coronavirus and push it somewhere push it else? There. <laughs> 7 a.m. in the morning, I'm going to be late for school for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. But you know what? It's something where as, as you know, as fans and as musicians as well, like even with other musicians, it's something that we all went through. It's, you know, a pop culture reference that we all like, we all understand, that we all can connect with on some sort of way. Mm-hmm.
Yeah. Yeah. I remember I still remember the songs that they were they they used to sing and the well they they were catchy man, so I still make some reference. The the song with the Texas uh, <laughs> 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 I wanna go <laughs> with the old voice of Sandy, uh incredible and the, the fun campfire song uh ah uh, uh, old memories man so i wonder what you i wonder if it'd be possible if you could make like a metalcore cover of the campfire song actually we already speak about uh making uh the some funny version of metalcore songs from spongebob uh the introduction the texas song uh i don't remember the third one but It's still a, a lot of money. We actually we love one one page that's been around on Facebook, the album of Bikini Bottom, which is a, a, a main page from Facebook that they just took metalcore album and translate and uh, translate them into a Bikini Bottom elements. Uh, I don't really? know if you, if you saw it. I've not heard of this. Well, it, it, imagine a typical uh, imagine one of one of your favorite uh, album. With the, the image up front, but in the styles of Bikini Bottom, that's right to it. Oh my god, that would I I'm gonna have to go check that out and see if they did something like an album, like they took the Ice Nine Kills Silver Scream album cover and made it Bikini Bottom style. Yeah, yeah, probably, yeah, probably. I know they, I did, I know they did the, uh, uh, they did so much. I just forgot <laughs> all of them. But you, you, I, I'm pretty sure you can find like every album you love. That's gonna be on this page. Album of Bikini Bottom. Okay, I'm definitely. Right. I'm gonna have to check this out now because I just want because again, it's it's SpongeBob. It's something that we all absolutely love every step of the way. We see memes with SpongeBob literally like three or four times a day. Even if you're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, iFunny, whatever the hell you're on, I see him all the time. So mm -hmm. it's continue like it's continually popular. So when if I would go out and try and find these album covers that are in the style of SpongeBob with Bikini Bomb, like with the imagery. Yeah, I'm definitely going to see something crazy and wacky, but I, I mean, it's it's going to be hilarious at the same time as well. We'll probably going to try to apply for uh, our, our next release. I mean, it, it's uh, it's right on the on the board. It's an objective, and we're going to do it, man. I, mean, I don't care. Well, I mean, there's a there's been a number of artists that have used certain things like that in the past where they've taken certain references from pop culture and like different styles as well and put them in as their album cover. I mean, hell, for one of the singles that Prince came out with back in 2013, the album cover is literally Dave Chappelle dressed as Prince with a, with a like a uh, plate of pancakes. It, okay. That's literally the album cover. Uh, okay, I, I, I didn't see it, but yeah, I, I, I know what you're talking about, yes. Oh, that's cool, man. Uh, I'm going to check this out. Prince from... Uh, uh, it was, what, I, what's the album? I, can't, I have no idea what the album is or what the single is, but I know he used... Uh, I can't remember. I have no idea what the name is, but he basically used the Dave Chappelle, uh, Charlie Murphy, True Hollywood Story version of Dave Chappelle in like the frilly shirt, the purple outfit, holding pancakes like this as the cover. I can't remember what the name of the, uh, the album is or what the single was, but I know it's there. I know it's there somewhere. All right. I'm going to try to check this out mm -hmm. for my, my, my reference pop culture. But one more thing, too, is like if you kind of use that style as like your album cover as well. It's going to end up being, it could potentially be helpful as well to even grow the band even more due to the fact that, again, with how popular of a meme character SpongeBob mm -hmm. is the whole entire series, and with how everybody absolutely loves that, you bring it in there, it's going to be something that catches people's eyes right away when they see that artwork. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that, that, that's a, that, that would be a good move. Uh, we're, we're still struggling sometime with the band to find the, the right image for our, our cover album, for a cover single. Because we, we're so, we, we so much want to be like the, to choose the image that's gonna fit like every word in the song. And it's a lot harder than people think. Like, I think we, we, we passed, I guess, a couple of days just for just one single and we didn't get up with something. So find the right image to represent the band and the, the music that we're doing. It's really hard. Oh, absolutely. It, it has to be. I mean, you take a look at all the different types of uh, album artwork that have been out in the past and you just look at it and it's and everyone tries to create something where it's going to, you know, basically express what the album is about, what the album is going to sound like just in a picture. So, I mean, I'm trying to think of a good example, like uh, take a look at uh, the Holy Hell album from Architects because it's kind of yeah, just yeah, like yeah. it's black and white, but it's kind of got this like just like weird, like kaleidoscope kind of feel to it. And so, you know, it's going to be this dark, uh, it's kind of like this, what did I say? This dark reflection type of an album. And the whole entire thing goes through the grief process that they, that architects went through when they lost Tom Cyril. Like the, mm-hmm, the album yeah, just yeah. went through the whole entire thing. And you take a look at the album cover and yeah, it doesn't seem like it's very like complex, but the amount of thought that had to go into that and the amount of thought that really needed to just express the album just through that artwork there had to be just the most attention to detail just every bit of just focus on that so when it comes to trying to create album artwork or single artwork with you guys and wind up you know match up with that exact same kind of feel where it's going to express exactly what the singer what the album is going to have it makes all sense that you know it's not easy it's going to take a good deal of time it might take a lot of trial and error you know what what missed me the most when things were so simple 2006, 2007, 2008. And the name title of the song, if you can't write two, two horses, you should get out of the circus. <laughs> that was those days so easy. Like another example, a dog can grow a beer. Oh. <laughs> Guys, they, 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 they passed like, I think five minutes to create all the name of their song. That, 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 or the, the name song was always like this long. Uh, from an example, that was her proud name. One of their one of my favorite songs, uh, "A John," was her name again. <laughs> the song doesn't doesn't refer to any of the lyrics. Just that was the the trend back then. And right now, that I'm in the position that I have to find every name for every song that's gonna represent this. And uh, with the the cover art, it's like oh, those days were so easy. Oh, oh, oh God, I'm I'm gonna pull up. A, <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna pull up a couple right now because I know I just want to. I know one was from a band, Modern Day Escape. One of their songs was "Maybe Holding Hands" wasn't such a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah, like yeah, that yeah, one is great. Song. Or like, look at some of the ones that like a Dana Remmer came up with off of Homesick. Like, I made of Waxler. What are you made of? Literally, they just took this line from the Night at the Night of Museum movie. And the song has mm-hmm. nothing to relate to it, but it just, that's the title or Mr. Highway's thinking about the end. Like, yeah. I, what, like what kind of song is like, what kind of a name song is that? But I mean, it just kind of works or it'll go back to Devil Wars Prada with HTML rules, dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of a name is this? But it, but it works out. I think I saw some online where it's like, can we go back to the time when, you know, if I look at like my phone or my iPod while I'm, when I'm listening to music that the song title it like has to scroll across for me to see the whole thing. Can we go back to those days? Yes, yes. Uh, I only. Uh, yes, we have to to come back to those simpler days because 
you listen to the song, you don't have any idea what's going to talk about. You have to listen to every word. You have to read the lyrics. You have to analyze. The, the word can spoil anything of the song. So uh, I don't know if there's, there's some uh, attraction into it that I, I love I love when I see it. See, I'm, I'm kind of the same way with that as well because when I listen to music, when I like when I'm doing these podcasts and I do albums and I go through all this stuff and I go into these songs and I really dive deep into them. It's something where I, if I see the title of the song, I kind of already have an idea of what the song might be about and where it is going. However, if I go back to something like, you know, I made a wax layer, what are you made of? Hell, I've got an idea of what potentially like the overall theme mm -hmm. could be, but I got to look through the whole entire song. I got to look through all the lyrics and then figure out what maybe the message you're trying to portray. Then also listen to the instrumentals and how the vocals sound as well to really figure out this, like the, the story that's being told through that song, the experience that's being told through that song without just looking at the time and be like, oh, I know what this is going to be about already. It's mysterious. It's funny. It's, I think it's a, it's a key to the goal. It's a key to success, I think. It, it might be. That might be something, you know, you guys could potentially bring back, do something like that, and then go back to those, uh, again, back to like 2008, 2010 with the metalcore shirts with all like the weird like gooey monsters on there that made, again. I talk about it every day. No sense. <laughs> My gotta... my era my my well uh when I be, when I really began was in 2004 five but uh, since I I began with this era I just grew up with all the the era from 2008 9 10 so ah oh, man that was the goal the, the the good day where all the the legends had just begun like if you remember in 2010 uh that man. I'm going to pass the old podcast naming you all the band that was just exploding right this way. Uh, Miss May I Just Have Begun. Devils of Prada released their one of their best albums uh, with Roots Above and Branches Below. Uh, Suicide Season just came out. Attack Attack were releasing their one of their best albums. So, ah, that, w that was yeah. the day. Uh, we, I, came as Romans to just we Came As Romans just released to plant a seed at that point. Yes. I, you know what's funny? Uh, and well, it's not funny because uh, it's kind of sad, but uh, when coronavirus hits uh, in Canada and they're, they, they shut down every shows, I think the 12th March and the 11th March, I was at the To Plant a Seed anniversary show, 10 years, uh, 10 years, uh, 10 years or 15. Uh, well, the anniversary Ten. show with Devils Real Prada, Gideon and Dayseeker. And I was, and I got no idea that it was the last show that's gonna happen in Canada because <laughs> the next day they closed everything. You said you saw that show on what was it? You said March or uh, April or March 11th, right? Yes. I was supposed to see that exact same show literally a month later here in Milwaukee, where I was like, oh, I, I, and I mean, all the concerts I had tickets for in 2020 was absolutely insane. It was like. I had tickets to that to plant a seed 10 year uh, anniversary show with Devil Wears Prada. I had tickets mm -hmm. to In This Moment Black Veil Brides. I had tickets to Volbeat. I had tickets to Against Me. I had tickets to uh, Hollywood Undead, Bad Wolves from Ashton and Fire from the Gods. Hell, mm -hmm. the one I was, one of the ones I was most excited for was As I Lay Dying because I'm like, they're going to play all of Shape uh, by Fire at this point. Yeah, this yeah. This is going to be freaking awesome. And, and they didn't come to Canada too. So uh, I, one of my friends and myself, we were speaking about going to Boston to actually see them because eight years i think were separate them from uh i think from uh that they're they were doing their separate project uh, werewolf i think so war war yes and 
five or I think uh, I think it's five years that they they had to stop, and they came back with Shape of Fire. That honestly, I'm still listening listening to it uh, at this day because for a comeback album, it's pretty solid. And I was like, oh shit, I need to see this live. And I heard live they gave it they 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 gave a great a really great performance. I only saw them once back then. Uh, I think I was five, 15 years old. Uh, with the uh, Lamb of God, Children of Bottom, God Forbid, and uh, Municipal Waste. Uh, I didn't know a lot of about As Ali Dying. I just know knew a couple of songs from their first album. I think it's the first album uh, with Ellie Gee, A Frail World of Collapse. And man, that was good. But I, I was so hyped to see them again. So was, is it, they just they never came back to Canada after uh, their first album. So I'm really hoping that It, uh, it's still on their list to come back here. Well, we'll see what happens as well with, I mean, hopefully by at some point in this year in 2021 where live shows will be able to get back rolling and all these bands are going to want to go out and tour, especially because so many of them have new music that came out, so many new albums that came out, and some that came out even before the pandemic that they weren't able to fully tour on so that mm -hmm. we actually get to you know see potentially all these crazy shows, potentially even some of these absolutely insane bills that you probably never expected ever have happen. Mm -hmm. But then we get to go and see all these bands like, that we want to go see and then potentially maybe suicide for a king could potentially get on some of those bills because of how many people are going to be touring. You never, you honestly never know. I and mean, it's just a, it's a huge opportunity that can happen. But at this point, it's just a matter of, okay, when can we start doing this? I'm going to say one thing, honestly, and it's just hypothetic because uh, I still got my tickets for last April uh, for the tour with Kiss, which engaged August Burns Red and the light, light the torch, light, uh, light, light, second, light fire, the, the project with uh, Ari Jones. Yeah, light the torch. Uh, uh, light the torch. They, they were just uh, a true line, uh, line band. I don't know what's gonna happen with the with the, this show because I didn't get a refund, so they, they just were just rescheduling. So my my it's just in the but uh, when show is gonna come back? Uh, things are gonna move pretty fast. Like you're gonna see a show every single day, every single week for, I think a, a full year. Because in the in the entire year from 2020 and 2021, there's so much album that came out and show that were postponed. And newer band that wants to tour like us, all those guys will 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 want to came back with all the stuff they postponed. So. When it's gonna open, I think we're gonna have a pretty solid lineup festival, and it's gonna be really interesting for this thing. I think, I think it's. I've got a couple of different ideas about that, and I want to see what you think about them. One is, yeah, we're gonna see something where all of a sudden all these bands are gonna want to be playing shows because, again, they've been on the shelf for over a year. And all mm -hmm. the new material that came out again in 2020, all the material that came out earlier in 2020 and late in 2019 that a lot of these bands weren't necessarily able to tour on. And the bands that have created stuff and are holding on to it now, and then once we're able to start going to live shows, again, hopefully sometime in 2021, that, you know, we're just going to see this influx of so many tours where I think you're absolutely right, Jimmy, we're talking about, you know, it, you're going to start seeing, you know, your local music venues you're going to see like, you know, instead of maybe them like having like one rock show a week or two rock shows a week. I mean, you can potentially see four or five in a week. Yeah. My wallet, my bank account are absolutely going to hate me. So is my body from jumping into every single mosque that I possibly can. Yeah. But, but you know, mental health wise, I'll be the happiest person you've ever seen because I'm like, mm -hmm. Oh, this is just fantastic. However, I want to know your take on this too, just because 
with the pandemic, especially I know here in America has happened. I'm not, I'm pretty sure this might've happened in Canada too. I'm maybe not to the same extent here in America, but there've been a lot of these venues that have had to close down because of the pandemic, because mm-hmm. that, because, you know, they're not able to have shows and able to really make money the way they are. And especially in America, the government didn't help them out worth shit. So there are some that are still working and still trying to make, make do here in Milwaukee. My favorite one, the rave, they've been doing a couple different things, selling some of their like signed posters. I have one hanging up right over here. My favorite band rise against, uh, they did a whole entire haunted house thing where you got to just walk through the whole entire venue with all the lights off. All you got was a flashlight. I did that. I was super happy to do that. Even though it was expensive, I'm like, I don't give a shit. I want to go do this. So here's my theory. There's going to be so many bands that are going to be out there wanting to tour because of all the new material. But unfortunately, because there's been, especially as winter comes around again, later Mm -hmm. in the year, the amount of these venues, they're going to be less. So there's going to be less supply for venues, but there's going to be a higher demand to get on those stages. So we could be seeing, again, all these different times and all these different uh, shows at any given night. However, because of the less amount of stages that are on there, do you think there's going to be uh, trouble getting on some of these stages, potentially getting on some of these bills just because of the high demand for bands to be playing on them? Um, honestly, uh, for Air Montreal, if my memory is good, we di- I, th- I don't think we lose a major scene, like, like major venue, but we did lost a, a lot of small venues. So I think it's the local scene is going to be hit. It was going to be uh, hardly impact the most because when if there's only one bar left that you're gonna that we're able to play in Montreal, well, all the local bands gonna be fighting for the one spot that they all really wanted. And for the international scene uh, in Montreal, I don't think we lost so much venue, so much big venue. But what might be happen, and it's uh, it's bad at one point for a band, but it's really interesting for, for the, the client is if all the venues are booked up by a lot of international bands, maybe a band is going gonna, is gonna to have to come here and play to a smaller venue. I know a smaller venue is kind of a, a white, is there just less revenue for the band, but for the audience that still want to go see the show, it's more like a private show, like smaller venue with the, it's more, it's more uh, close to the, to the artist. So, it's kind of interesting what if we if we it's gonna it's possible for Ben to come and play like closer, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I've I mean I've seen I saw that happen even before the pandemic hit as well. And my best example of that is here in Milwaukee, we have a, a venue called the Rave. I already spoke about it, but I've I've mentioned this a couple of times in the podcast, but they have three different stages inside. They've got their ballroom stage, which holds a couple thousand. They have their club stage, which is in like the middle, which holds about maybe like anywhere between like a thousand to two thousand. Then they have their basement stage, which holds a thousand max. Um, there was a pop artist that was playing up top on the ballroom stage. There was an alternative rock band that was playing on the uh, club level and the basement. This is all in one night. In the basement, we had. Um, Awake at Last was opening, and then it was Light the Torch, Fit for a King, and the headliner was Ice Nine Kills, and Jeez, the yeah. and the only re and the and the only reason why um they like they sold out of tickets for the this this basement show at Ice Nine Kills they sold them out like within you know I think it was like less than a day because it was also two mm-hmm. days after Halloween which made a lot of sense, but yeah. they wanted to move them up on, to the other stage just because so many people wanted those tickets 
But because, you know, we've already had bands booked there, you can't really do that. So I can see where you're coming from there where it's like there's going to be bands that are just going to be used to playing a lot bigger venues, a lot bigger stages that potentially might have to take some of these smaller stages just because it's either take these smaller stages or don't play at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's, it's kind of... Uh, uh... It's made me. It made me think about something that I think. Well, I found this and I was like, "Oh, that's really, really, really cool for a band to do those things." Uh, on the road, when they were on on breaking, uh, they did a secret show uh, in Florida. I think they just announced the show. I think that I think I think it's the same day they announced the show. They hey, secret show on the road tonight, Florida, 7 p.m. A whole mass of people just saw the news, and they 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 were running to the to a bar, smaller uh, venue that they that what they they used to play. Man, I see I saw video from the show, and it looks amazing. Like last minute, but maybe not for them because they had to book the 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 venue. But you're just at home in Florida, you're on you're on your phone, and you just saw like what we're gonna do tonight Saturday. Oh, on the road is doing a show. I mean. It's, it, for, to a smaller venue, I mean, it's, it's so cool. Yeah, and not only that, but then some of these smaller venues, they're going to potentially be getting some of these bigger acts as well. And then because these smaller venues, I mean, they've gone through so many troubling times during this pandemic as well. All of a sudden, they're able to start having full live shows again. And you could potentially get a band like Under Oath to just show up and play. You get a band like Skillet to show up and play. And all of a sudden, you're just going to see people come out in droves to this show. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of people left outside because, you know, venue capacity, you can't get that many people. You can only sell a certain amount of tickets. But it's just something where the, 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 you're going you're gonna to be able to just sell out these shows like almost instantaneously because yeah. people want to go out. People want to go see live music. People miss that family camaraderie. People miss the, the just the mental positivity that live music brings. Mm-hmm. And what's... I think it's interesting with those kind of shows for international band. Maybe not for us because all of our stock is pretty new to the world. But w- with bands like they that, that have like five, six, seven albums, they can do a whole different sets that where they're used to do on tour. Like for the main scene, if they're uh, I don't know, if they're a band, uh, uh, example, example, Devils were product. You came to a show with two hundred people uh, inside the venue. They could decide, hey, so then we're only gonna play a uh, plague song. For you because that's what that's what that's what 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 we want to do it and because it's all material so the fan that's that's all there tonight like they get to see a whole different show that they were what they were used to to see if they were about to go see them on a regular show so the the, the this kind of a of a avenue like i think it's pretty interesting for the for a band to do stuff like that just to to connect with people and, you know, just having fun playing older stuff for them. I think, honestly, Jimmy, I think you're bringing up a very interesting point. And it's with these smaller shows with these bands, they're able to do some different things. They're able to try a couple of different things with those smaller shows. They're able to, you know, play just maybe strictly something that's off as older. Maybe they're able to just, you know, we've got a couple of new things that we've just been working on that we're not sure how they're going to go but we're going to play them for you. And all of a sudden the fans are going to go nuts. Of course, people are going to pull out their phones and like record video, but, and you're going to see some crazy granulated, you know, new song, but you're not going to want to hear it until the full thing comes out. Yeah. Just to really understand what the sound of the song is going to be, but it's going to force bands to, especially some of these bigger bands to adapt 
to just change and just like, you know, just be fluid to the situation so that you could potentially get something that's absolutely incredible and for bands to just take hold of that opportunity and potentially grow to new heights that they never even knew that they could grow to just based on doing something like that. I mean, hell, I'll use the, uh, From Ashes to New, for example. Before COVID hit, they were going to be just like the opener on the Fire for the Gods, Bad Wolves, Hollywood, Undead tour. They were going to be the opener for it. Now, after the whole pandemic, they just were tried different things. They just brought new things to the table. And now, hell, I could see him making a national run as a headliner. I I know that they've been working on something like that and hoping for it. So it's potential. It's, it's easily possible for something like that to happen. It's just how are bands going to be able to take that when the live shows come back, if they have to play in those smaller venues, how are they going to make those smaller venues and those smaller shows be potentially the hottest commodities for concerts instead of those big old, you know, concert venues that they're used to uh, playing in where instead of, you know, having 2000 people, you might be having 200, but the energy is going to be the exact same. People are going to be moshing like crazy. Hell, I'll end up with a bloody face again. I don't care. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, I think we're we're just going to see it uh, when the board is going to open, when the show, how the, how the market is going to, is going to react about all this, how the band's going to manage things. Guys, this thing took a pretty hard hits and, bands and all the artists had to re- readapt, reinvent them just their self. So I really look forward to see what's going to happen when the board is going to come up, when, when everything's going to come back to normal, if I can say it that way. Oh yeah, you can say it that way. But here's another question though for you, because we're talking about all these bigger bands potentially doing this. With Suicide for a King, when these shows are able to start coming back, you guys are able to play live again to a, mm-hmm. like the crowds, like the crowds that you'd be normally playing to if COVID hadn't happened or even mm-hmm. bigger crowds. What are you like what are you guys going to end up doing? Well, how are you guys going to end up adapting to the the potentially getting back to normal again? Um our question because the uh, the future is still uh, uncertain right now. We're still trying to uh, like we evaluate our option. Right now we're really focu- f- focusing on uh releasing our song, g- g- uh, make a good uh, promotion uh like we have to like to uh, analyze our strategy for promoting our, our newer stuff for to, to be to a newer newer country to hear it. Uh, we are really focusing on uh, writing stuff. Writing stuff. Uh, I know it's it's, uh, it's been hard for the scene, but during the quarantine, we didn't stop making music. Like we we worked on a lot of stuff, like a lot more than what we're doing normally before the quarantine. So we got a, a lot of stuff going on right now. And we're just trying to make ways to produce all of this. And I know we, we did think about uh, the stream concert things. Uh, we're still thinking, thinking about it. We didn't uh, arrange all, all stuff right for right now, but we're still considering. But right now, we're really focusing on uh, releasing uh, our newer song and finishing up writing the newer newer stuff <laughs> newer newer stuff oh my that's lord another level from new like it's double new it's double new i mean that's that's like that's a new squared at this point <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah 
But one of the, one thing you did say though is like just making sure that you are expanding your reach to not only uh, the audience within Canada but also outside of Canada as well, especially where metalcore music is definitely going to have a little bit more of a hold. So places like here where I'm in the U.S., places in Europe like uh, England, Germany, some places in Central Europe like Austria, Slovakia. I know they're big into it. I I know Australia. It's Australia is weird with metalcore from what I've heard with them and talked to people about it where it's. When it comes to the metalcore scene in Australia, it's they love the they it's they have a hard time getting into like some of the newer bands, even like the bands that come from Australia. But once they get established, like especially over here, over in Europe or over in the U.S., then all of a sudden, like they latch on to them. Pretty much what happened with Polaris at this point. So mm-hmm. it's just all it's just all just you know focusing on okay, you guys, you make a set metalcore kind of sound. How can like what's this sound and what places are the biggest into this sound and knowing that then you can kind of market your music and just push it in certain places, you know, use different uh, promotional tools. Like if you're promoting on social media, like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, use their demographics. So it's like, okay, well, where do I, like what location I'll put it here are the countries, boom, 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 boom. And then mm-hmm. you never know. All of a sudden you're going to start taking a look at the hits that you're getting. All of a sudden you never know all this, you know, you might be getting only a couple hits in Canada, but all of a sudden over in Germany, you're getting thousands and thousands upon thousands of hits every single day. And it's mm-hmm. just, you know, maybe the post that you made just really resonates well with the German audience and they're checking out your music that way. Hey, that's no problem. You're expanding your reach in a completely different country across a whole entire ocean. And then you never know how that's going to end up expanding. You just got to keep pushing it out there and just keep getting people to listen to it. Well, right now we're doing pretty great in Finland. In Finland? Yeah. Yes, yes. I, I Actually, one of our best city, and I want to give a shout out to those people uh, for the fan of uh, the the series of La Casa de Papel. One of our best cities right now is Helsinki. Well, Helsinki. Like the, guy, fit. Well, Helsinki. the guy with the beard in Casa de Papel, they have to get, take a name. So uh, Helsinki right now is one of our best cities that our music is played. So I want to give a big shout out to the people of Helsinki and Finland and get, say thanks to them. Uh, honestly, I love Finland, man. Since I was a kid, I always been a big fan of Finland. Uh, they have so uh, a so strong folk metal scene. Cause I know I'm doing metalcore, but I grew up in the scene listening to every metal genre. And at this day, I'm still a, a huge fan of folk metal. I, uh, I, I know from a metalcore guy, it's still uh, uh, it's not the same thing. But uh, man, they they just came up with so much. Uh, variety, bar, bar, variety in their song. Like they took old instrument. Like uh, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how I would pronounce it in English. But there's just a, a an instrument that you have to turn uh, like uh, some things, and sounds came out. <laughs> sure, I'm trying uh, to think of what that would be. But Elevati, uh, the band Elevati uh, used uh, those kind of instrument. Uh, I was a big fan of Teresa when I back then, and I still at at this day with the costume, the theme, the thematic the, for, for the warrior stuff. Ah, love Finland, man. really love Finland. Well, now I know when I push this episode out and when I promote it, not only promote it within Canada, the United States, but also I'm gonna put it in the demographics. Helsinki, it'll come with Finland, Hel- and we're gonna make sure everyone yeah. in Finland gets even more into Suicide for a King just based off of that. But mm-hmm. again, you're using what you have going for you, where it's like, okay, you're getting, you're, you have a huge audience in Finland. Just keep working on that because 
if if that's what it's working, yeah, focus on that, but also continue focusing on growth as well because you know Norwegian death metal is a huge thing over in Norway. So some of them might, you know, like how you got into folk metal that's popular in Finland, you know, there's probably a bunch of Norwegian death metals that heads mm-hmm. that just absolutely love metalcore at the same time as well. Hell, I know different places all over Europe that absolutely love metalcore where there's a great metalcore scene. But it's just not necessarily known as well. Hell, Russian metalcore, Italian metalcore. I mean, I, I was huge yeah. in Italian metalcore in 2020. It was one of my favorite things to listen to. And mm-hmm. just different other other spots as well. I mean, you look over in the UK. I mean, Architects and Bring Me the Horizon just stand out mm-hmm. like none yeah, other. I love UK music. I love UK music. Say, uh, Barry Tomorrow is another one. Because, because the US is such a big market. Like, the US is like, everybody knows the, the US, one of the biggest markets uh all the major act are coming from here like everybody knows about the u.s market it's still one of the biggest but sometimes we forget the europe market was so amazing like i if my memory is good and i think it's pretty good it's germany who have the biggest festival in metal in the world the fucking open air oh yeah oh god yeah they didn't didn't forget this one this one is one of my main objectives to play in the WOA, Viking Open Air, like the biggest festival. Like uh, I discovered this festival when I was following Sam Dunn in his documentary with an anthropologue that does a documentary on the metal show, on the, on the metal history. And when he, ju- when he, he showed the, the Viking Open Air with the, like one of the major festivals in the world and all the bands, like there was the camping spot. Like I was like, man, I have to play there. I have to play there. It's an absolution. It's one of my main objective. I have to play the back end open air. Well, it's like it's when, not negotiable. Well, it's like when we look at videos that happen at open air and when people take the live videos as well. I mean, bands like, like those biggest bands in the world. I mean, I'll just use Rammstein as an example because, you know, mm-hmm. we're talking German. We're talking any kind of, we're talking metal festival. I'm going to use them as the prime example. Like just search up Rammstein and open air festival. And what's going to happen is you're going to see them playing in front of a crowd of, God, what is it like over a hundred thousand people at mm-hmm. a festival and maybe even 200,000 at this point. And it's just, it's packed, but everyone's just having a, just this absolute fantastic time. But also think about when it comes to different rock and metal festivals as well. You look over at Europe versus something like over here in the U.S. And yeah, we do have our rock and metal festivals over here in the U.S. But they have no comparison when it comes over to Europe. When you go over to England with like the, uh, or the U.K. with Download Fest, Gastonbury, or you go over to Germany with open air or rock and ring, rock and park. Like those mm-hmm. festivals are just, just they trump any of the Danny Warren presents us like louder than life. They trump riot fest, even though I absolutely love riot fest over here. It's just, mm-hmm. I, cause they, cause it's, they are so much more ingrained with rock and metal into their culture than over in the U S over in the Western hemisphere than kind of we are at the moment, even though we used to always be, you know, big rock and metal, of course, pop hip hop has taken over that even some pop country as well. Again, it's just a different sign of the times. But again, with the U S we we're such a vast market over here and such a diverse market with any given way. I mean, again, like I've seen shows where the, like the rock and metal artists are bringing in more people. They're bringing in these more dynamic shows, these venues than some of these pop artists that are being played on bigger stages are hell like that. Ice nine kills one. I, I talked about we like the show start, like out of all the shows that were there that night, awake at last went on first and, and then out of everybody else. And then by the time the show was over with ice nine kills, cause I kill played over two hours for us. They played like 19 songs. I think or it was 20 songs. I don't remember how many it was. It was ridiculous though. 
But all of a sudden we're leaving and then like, we're like, oh, where are the other people at the venues? Oh, they ended already. We're just like, they ended? They started after us. Yeah, and they ended before you guys. Well, why don't you come out here? And then just seeing other different like venues as well that has that have this stuff. It's when it comes to certain rock and metal. When it comes to rock and metal acts, like any almost every time I see a venue, like these tickets sell out so damn fast. And it's just it's not a case of you know they're not getting that much press either. It's just people still love the music. It's just not as widely publicized. That's what I that's what I love with metal because. Uh... There's so much scene around the world that you can't imagine. That you can't imagine. Sometimes there's territory that you think, I don't know, metal is not not such a big deal on those places. But if we can't, if we look back in the history and we remember the Rio, the Iron Maiden live in Rio in Brazil, that's one of the biggest show in metal. That's that's another side of the of, of market that you see. Oh shit, okay. so the scene is serious back there. Uh, Indonesia with when Sepultura went live back in the 90s, Metallica who was there when they play in stadium. Like the market of metal is so cool, so big around the world. Sometimes we only uh, we only think about uh, of the major of the major market, but we have so many uh, so many different things around the world. And when we can travel on this place, and when we we can discover some some. Uh, more specific in the scene that we that we are used to know that's really interesting like uh for the the japan uh, the, the japan market a band like crystal lake will get will emerge from this country really like uh maybe rethink about it and, hey there there's, there's there's a market in japan like i, I know there there was metal over there for, for a couple of years but those bands will come uh, from the Japan to, to the yes market and getting to, to to get known give us the opportunity to get to know the the all the, the the underground scene in Japan and that's 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 the kind of thing that I really love in metal in general oh I have to absolutely agree with you on that one I was gonna use Japan as another example so I was gonna bring up bands like Crystal Lake and Cold Rain just as an example mm-hmm. where it's like all of a sudden because I found out about the bands I'm like holy shit Japanese metalcore goes hard as shit I'm absolutely into this and seeing the growth of Crystal Lake as well. But then also there was a, um, on the Posthumous Rebel Horror EP with Bring Me the Horizon, when they did Kingslayer with Baby Metal, like I watched a little like YouTube video they put on there. It was like a little background on the song. It was back in 2019, like Bring Me the Horizon went over to Japan to play shows with Baby Metal. Now in any other place, you'd expect Bring Me the Horizon to be headlining that show. But they're like, no, everyone was there to see Baby Metal. We were just lucky to be able to get exposed to the Japanese audience. I'm just thinking, okay. If, if if the Japanese market is super duper into baby metal and they love the metal sound, like I've seen the video, live videos that they have and the people are just going absolutely bonkers it, like during their live shows, I'm thinking a couple of things. First thing is I want to be at one of those freaking live shows. I want to be one of those guys in the pit going absolutely bonkers, having a great time. Two, if they love that so much and all of a sudden you're starting to see bands like Crystal Lake and Cold Rain really pop up over in Japan, what other bands are going to be there? that are really starting to come up that we don't even know about also with the fact that these bands are popping up there and we're starting to know them over here what do they know of metalcore from united states from canada from europe from australia f- from all over the world what do they know what don't they know and that's a market that you can easily get into just because mm-hmm. it might be wide open you you don't know what's there but you know that they like that sound so go for it that's the, it, honestly that's why i like so much about festival 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 gives the opportunity of two market, two different markets. Uh, for example, 
festival like the back in open air it gives the opportunity for every band in the world to get give to get to get exposure in germany and for the germany to get exposure with the other market that's come from the, uh, the rest of the world so they, they can make connection with u.s band uh, japan band and when they get today to together they can organize tour to uh, to travel every country that they get friends with with people so festival i think it's one of them I, I i think it's a really good thing for the scene to, to to get mixed together and just get to know each other it's re really good really love festival it's a great thing uh, for for the scene well now that brings up another great question just popped into my head and i know with festivals right now in 2021 i've seen a good amount that have been pushed back i've seen some that have been canceled i think like the most like the the one that's coming up the like the closest that i know that might still be happening it, like or most that like most upcoming is Rockfest here in Wisconsin. That's not until July because I'm seeing different ones for June, April, May already pushed back. Some already canceled. So I mean, not in late 2021, but also beyond as well with Suicide for a King. Are you guys potentially working on getting some of these festival lineups as well, so that you have the chance to be able to meet some of these bands, be able to connect with them, be able to you know form those friendships, and then potentially be able to go on some of these you know maybe United States wide tours, some of these European runs as well as an opening act. Mm -hmm. Well, it's definitely something that we're working on right now. We're just we're really trying to uh, to get to to be known in the market, get to be known in the U.S. I have a good reputation, so bookers. Uh, could uh, when we send our material to uh, for the festival booker, they can consider it to be uh, like a, a, a serious uh, asset to their festival. So, of course, that's there. It's opportunity that we're trying to to work on. Like it's still really uncertain right now because even with uh, even if we if we get booked like with the border stuff, I, I don't know what's gonna happen right now. I know festival in Canada. Uh, I've I haven't been plan yet so it really is going to depend on the the border stuff and when show is going to be like come back for real again okay that makes a lot of sense then because you want to make sure that if you're going to be able to play some of these festivals that you're able to not only get some of these festivals and get there safely and without any mm -hmm. sort of uh problems but then also return home at the exact same time as well yes yes so that that does make a lot of sense and Again, we'll see what happens though, but given your sound and also looking at like Spotify, looking at like monthly listener account, given your overall size on there as well, when it comes to some of the festivals that I'm seeing, when it comes to the overall size that you guys have in the market, I'm seeing other bands that have a very similar size also on some of these bills as well. Of course, you know, if you're going to be playing like festival wise, they're going to be bands that are, you know, on earlier during the day. However, the th this is the key they're on the bill. Like they're going to be playing there and there are so many other bands that are going to be there as well. So it just, and not only like just rock, hard rock, but also metal, metal core as well, because all of a sudden you might be on a bill and you might be playing like at two, like two in the afternoon, but all of a sudden you might be on the same stage that Memphis May Fire is on. You get talking with Maddie Mullins and then next thing you know, met, like they come out with a brand new album and at the end of 2021, 2022 comes around. They want to go tour with it. Maddie end up loving hanging out with you guys so much. All of a sudden, boom, you're on a nationwide run here in the U.S. with Memphis May Fire. You never know. Something like that may happen. But it just. Mm -hmm. is, but what I'm saying is, when it comes to bands like having the size to be on some of those like early, like you know those earlier spots on these festivals, looking at your size, hearing your sound, you definitely have the ab ability to make that happen. 
Well, thank you, man. I'm really hoping that the that it's gonna be like uh, that, that that was that's gonna happen. That that what is gonna happen for us? So like, um, and we we I just want I wanted to hit the market, the U.S. market, like from so much year. It almost happened this summer, but pandemic <laughs> canceled. D don't but, worry, the pandemic canceled all of that for us, man. Yes, yes, but. Uh, man, I'm really looking forward to to finally cross the board. So yeah, it's one that's it's, it's still one of their one of our objectives to hit those markets. So of course, man, I I'm really hoping that's gonna happen. I hope so too. And don't worry about the whole entire you know 2020. You guys were expecting to come over to the U.S., but then you know COVID happened and stopped. I had this whole entire plan as well where I was gonna go to the fe these festivals. I was gonna rent like a like a Winnebago. And literally tell a bunch of the bands I've had on the podcast, like, hey, if you guys want to just come by this random van for like 15 minutes, I'll have my logo on the side of the van, like in like an upholster kind of thing. And just come to the van, hang out. We'll do like a quick podcast, for like 10, 15 minutes. But here's the key. I'm going to have coolers like everywhere. Water, Gatorade, juice, soda, beer, <laughs> liquor, whatever you want. Like just come hang out for a little bit. And Whatever you want to drink, I got you covered. And just, oh, my plan was to like meet all the bands I've had in the podcast. But then also it's like, okay, if I do that, what other bands on this bill, what other bands that are going to be there that weekend are going to hear about this? Are going to be like, might be mm -hmm. like, oh shit, I want to go try this out. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm sitting in this van, I get a knock on the door and it's David Draymond from Disturbed. I'm just sitting there shitting my pants. I'm like, I never thought this would fucking happen. <laughs> Well, that's that. That's a good. Uh, that you, you got me with the with the, the cooler stuff and uh, with all around the the, the the van. I was like, oh yeah, yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna pass by. Yeah, so don't don't but worry. That's a cool thing. I would say, don't worry, Jeremy. If 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 I get to go to a festival and do that, and Suicide for a King is on the lineup, I message you guys right away and be like, hey, I'm here. Just let me know what time you guys want to stop by. Of course, right, we're we're gonna stop there, definitely, definitely. Oh, don't worry. I'll, if, it's, if you're wondering where the van, be like, okay, it's in this parking lot. It's this. What do you need to know? It's like, I, if you find the van that has my logo plastered on the side of it, then you know you found it. <laughs> the chord progression. I'll have the corporation podcast on one. I'll have the MSOT Rocks page on the other end as well. So it's like, okay, you can't miss this van. But then all of a sudden, yeah. I'm also kind of worried, you know, event security might be like, oh, you can't do this without a press badge. And be like, so what? They're coming over. They're coming to hang out. We're not recording or anything. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, just like, you're, but then if also you're in the like, parking lot. Uh, that 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 was, I think that that will be okay for you in the parking lot. You're not in the in the in the site where maybe yeah. you're gonna need a press badge. So that's okay. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not like I'm actually in the grounds. Like I'm outside in the parking lot. I'm hanging out in the campground. I'm hanging out. I'm having a good time. You're just, they're just coming my way. Just coming to hang out. You know, grab a. Grab a cold one, grab a grab a grab grab a juice, grab a gator, grab a water, whatever it might be. Whatever the hell they want, I'll make it all of a sudden someone's gonna come up. Hey, can you make me like an old like a, like just some crazy kind of drink? Can you make me an old fashioned? I'll be sitting there thinking, fuck, I wish I knew how to bartend. <laughs> <laughs> that that'll definitely be that'll definitely be. But again, the where I was bringing that up is just because it was 2020. Of course, we all had things that we planned, that we were hoping for, that we were hoping to do from any kind of perspective to really grow with me, grow the podcast, grow the brand, you grow the band, grow the overall influence that you had, grow the overall audience. But of course, 2020 happened and we had to completely readjust and go different and figure out a different way. And with what you guys, I mean, constantly working on music, constantly working on new things, new, new things as well, you know, new squared. Had to mm -hmm. do the, 
We're not we're not talking about this. We're talking about this. <laughs> oh yeah, go full SpongeBob again on that one. Had to bring that one back, but don't worry. I, I mean, you guys like you guys are coming out with new songs, especially coming out with a song like "The Worst of Us," which was the one that uh, I was sent to. I'm like, okay, let's listen to this one, and that was the one that was like, okay, I gotta pull the trigger. I gotta get these guys in the podcast. So. You guys are constantly working on stuff. You guys are constantly bringing new stuff to the table as well. So there's a continuous flow of new material coming from Suicide for mm-hmm. a King. And when, when the, again, like you said, when this is over and we're able to go back to playing live music, you guys are going to have so much stuff ready to go so that you can create these different live shows. You can create these different live experiences for people that have been missing out on these live shows and live experiences to the point where they potentially be, you could potentially be their first show they're seeing in over a year. And if you put on a, if you put on a performance that they remember, that's going to stick in their mind for the pretty much the rest of their life at this point. Cause it's like, what was the first show you saw for the pandemic? People that are really in tune to music and really like this, it's going to be like a, it's going to be a huge thing. It's kind of like the, where were you when blank happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually that's what we're working on right now because a pandemic canceled a lot of things for us, but it also create a lot of time for us to plan our, our big next move and well that's but that's kind of a good thing for us because we had time to plan a new song new new uh, new material new uh, newer uh, performance if i could say it that way because we uh, we we are preparing for like for a, a new kind of show for us with light and stuff like that so we we're really like working on ourselves to be for when it's gonna open, uh, things gonna blow up for us. Like that's that was the pandemic gave us give us the time to 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 prepare ourselves for when it's gonna open and like to see a new version of Suicide for a King that what we that what people known uh, before the pandemic. And when it comes to like again really reworking those live shows ideas as well and just really focusing in on what you guys are gonna do when the pandemic ends. That's something I've been kind of hearing other bands talk about as well. And one of the biggest things I've heard was, and this is the thing that stuck in my mind with the previous podcast I had, we were talking about when it comes to live shows, especially when uh, these live shows come back, people are going to remember the experiences and people are going to remember the moments of connection that you've had with these bands. So it's like the cool things that happen in there that not every band's going to do. Like we talked about how uh, before the pandemic, a band like Hailstorm, all of a sudden they're going to wheel out a grand piano and Lizzie Hale is going to play it and the rest of the band is going to go have a break. But that's a moment. It's more of an intimate moment for the crowd to have and the overall flow of the show. It might also work as well. I saw that in 2019 with Rise Against at Riot Fest because it was hot, humid, and we were in the I was in the mosh pit and I was like about to pass out and all of a sudden they they cut it off. It's like, what the hell's going on? And they play two acoustic songs and everyone's so damn happy because we finally get a little bit of a break before the last three songs. We just go ape shit crazy. But like, just talking about like remembering those specific moments and those specific things where it seemed like everything with the live show just came together at that moment. When you go back and think about live shows, you remember those moments. So when it comes to creating a new live show, a new lifestyle for Suicide for a King, no, figuring out, you know, what are those times and what are those moments that we can create for people to remember so that when they go home at the end of the day and they wake up in the morning, the first thing on their mind is the show. And the first thing on their mind from the show is what we did and how we made those people feel. Cause then all of a sudden 
They're going to go on Spotify. They're going on Apple Music. They're going to start listening, streaming yourself, even downloading yourself, buying your merch, telling their friends, posting on Facebook, be like, holy shit, you got to check this out. Or putting even like the concert videos on Instagram. People are going to be wondering, wait, what band is this? And they're going to tell them it's Suicide for a King. Go check them out. And all of a sudden, those remembrance and those live performances is going to end up getting people to spread your band via word of mouth. Well, yeah. You talk about really good points, and I'm really considering about uh, some stuff that you said, especially with the live performance. Uh, what people is gonna remember when they they got home? Because I know every band, uh, every band wants to wants to like create a unique experience, but at the end of the day, that's the the audience that's gonna decide what they what they they remember from what they see. So. It made me think what, what's going to be the thing that people is going to remember from our from performance. And yes, it gave me like a lot of thinking about it, about this, like to, to really create a show that people are going to say, Oh, at the, the, the next day at work, say, Oh shit. Yesterday, man, uh, man, I had a pretty rough night. I was in a suicide for a King show. And that was so intense. I, I, got, I got trouble sleeping that that was so intense. I, <laughs> something that, People is gonna remember and that they're gonna speak about it. That's something I think it's hard to create at this this day, but it gave me a a real heads up about thinking about what we're gonna do for our next for the first show that we're gonna pull out in the, after the pandemic. See, that's that's what I was hoping for. Was you might not have an you might have have something in mind right now, but it gives you an idea. And here's a good example of something that would happen with me again. This is before the pandemic. I saw it was, I forgot what the whole bill was, but Pennywise was the headliner and it was like, I can't remember who was second, but then like one of the opening bands was one of my favorite bands, Anti-Flag. So I'm like, okay, I want to see what this is. And the thing you remember most about the show was it was when Anti-Flag played because not only did their bass, Chris number two, jump into the crowd to play, but also they brought their drummer into the crowd. They brought like like part of the kit into play. Now, again, that seems like it's crazy. And we got a circle pit going around them as well. Again, this makes like honestly not much sense, but when I think about that show, that is a thing that pops out in my head, and they weren't even the headliner. So mm-hmm. when it comes to just making this kind of surreal moment where it's like, holy shit, you get the adrenaline in these people amped up. You get their minds just going crazy. Like you said, to the point where when they get home and they're trying to go to sleep when they go to so they can go to work the next day and they can't fall asleep because their adrenaline is so like amped up because of what you guys did on stage what you per, what you gave them that night that they go to work and I say completely exhausted because they didn't get any sleep but they're so damn happy due to the fact that they remember what how you guys made them feel how energized they got how full of adrenaline they got and just how it seemed like everything else in the world just went away and they were just at the sheer point of just super energized happiness mhm right, right, right. Uh, as we still think it, uh, talk about it, uh, I'm, I'm still trying to remember what make me remember uh, shows when I was going to, to see them back in the day when I was 15 years old. One of the good examples that I remember, and uh, I got two in mind, is uh, when I got to see for the first time Iron Maiden uh, at Evie Montreal 2008. The second they play Ace's Eye for the first song, People were so crazy. I was like 14 years old. Uh, I was really, really close to the like to the uh, to the to the stage. People just uh, advanced on me and pushing me against uh, other people. So I was like, oh shit! I says I 
really, really like it was so hard uh, for for a first song. I was like, okay, that that's 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 gonna be one thing that I'm gonna, that I'm gonna remember. Also, Gajira when I saw them with In Flames back in the days when I think that's when a little bit after when they they released a Sense of Purpose album. They began the show with their first song of their song, The Way of All Flesh. They began with Ouroboros. It's a tapping. They, they begin with tapping. It was like, oh shit, we're gonna what's happening? What, what's that? What's happening? Like they just they just capped my attention right away. It was like, oh shit. Okay, that's the that's the kind of thing I'm, I'm gonna remember. All those kind of things, it's I don't know how we how we we create them, but I'm still gonna think about it for our home show. I mean, it's a couple of things you can think about as well because a couple of like the, there's a couple of things you can do like kind of like the little bit of like a gimmick style during the show. Again, like I brought up with the anti-flake thing where they jumped into the crowd and like the drummer jumped mm-hmm. in as well to play. I, I saw Trey do that as well. But there are other times as well where it's just how you start out the show and just how you just bring up the adrenaline and just how you just amp everybody up and how the crowd responds to that could really just be a full force thing where you just, you're constantly working to just constantly bring the energy to go absolutely crazy. I've got an example of that where I was seeing it was after the, it was just after the burial was opening and I'm not that big. I'm not that big in after the burial, but just the amount of energy that they had playing and just the fact that they never let up for about 45 minutes. I mean, the, it was one of the craziest pits I've ever been in, but, and why I remember that, why I remember that they're set so well was because I got this gigantic cut above my eye and when I fell down the pit and then I got picked up and someone just went into me head first and then emotionless and white was on afterwards. I couldn't go in the pit, but the pit was just as crazy and it was just the energy that was constantly going back and forth between the band on stage and the crowd. It was just the overall just force of it was absolutely insane. Or I'll bring up Ice Nine Kills, another example with all the horror kind of stuff they bring out during their set. Mm-hmm. It was something where if you're watching the set, I mean, that's what you're going to remember. But they also just went absolutely insane as well with the music. They just kept the energy flowing. So I was in the pit most of the time getting flung around there. And I didn't give a rat's ass what the hell was happening to me. I'm like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing at this show. If I'm watching it, if I'm on the edge of the pit, if I'm in the pit, if I'm all the way up front, doesn't matter. I'm going to be having a good time regardless. So it's mm-hmm. kind of just focusing on... I'm trying to think of a good way to put it where you can also just make that like where you can do something that's going to make people remember that specific instance of the show or do something where you're constantly being constantly just like working the energy throughout the show or building this whole entire experience with your song list. And all of a sudden, you know, you could actually be like going absolutely crazy, bringing the energy up. And all of a sudden, it seems like a point where all of a sudden, you know, people in the crowd, they're going to be super energetic, but they might just be super. They might be getting kind of exhausted at that point just because of how crazy you guys are getting bring it mm-hmm. down for a song or two. And all of a sudden people are going to be able to get that breather. And then all of a sudden just crank it right back up. And the people have the breather kind of gave able to get maybe a little bit of water. They're thankful for that. And all of a sudden, boom, you can get this wallet and just start maybe with a wall of death song. And all of a sudden they just come smashed into each other and you got the energy right back in your palm, palm of your hand. It could be something like that. You nap, you know, you really don't know. But the fact of the matter is, is you're starting to think about it. You're starting to really think, figure out, okay, what can we do with a live show that's going to make people remember us in the morning? You have to read the crowd. You have to test. You have to test your show. You have to see it. You have to watch it. You have to adapt it to your crowd. And honestly, like I said before, for bigger bands, a smaller venue, there's the kind of opportunity you have to test your, your new, new shows to be before presenting it to bigger festivals and stuff like that. So again, smaller show, ah, they, they got their benefits too. I remember when... 
well, we do a lot of smaller show, but we also did a lot of smaller, smaller show. And I don't know when, when, uh, when we began, uh, we did a small show. There was not a, a lot of people in there, but I said to my band, you know what? That's the kind of show that we can experience some stuff. If you want to try a thing, if you want to try some movement, if you want to be more comfortable with the, uh, Moving on a stage, on a stage, it's that time that that's the, that's the opportunity that you have, like to be comfortable with the thing that you're gonna present before a bigger crowd. So, I I I recommend those kind of those kind of show. Oh, and I mean, I was thinking about it as well when uh, use comedians for an example. I mean, they're not always playing like the shows that they have, like with their special playing to large theaters, like like Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle. They're not playing to large theaters all the time. Sometimes they're playing to like these very small rooms, and that's when they're just trying out all their new jokes, all their new stuff. You know, they're, they're whatever they're going to include in their show, they're testing out at that given point. So those smaller shows, when they come back, that's going to be your time to test out a certain couple of things. Maybe try and do something a little bit more in a minimalistic sense. Maybe try and just see how you can perf- like make your show even better with as, as a bigger band without some of those crazy gimmicks. And as a band that's the size of Suicide for a King, again, that could be a perfect opportunity for you to add to your repertoire when it comes to reading the room and also improvising on stage as well in order to see this is how the crowd is reacting to this, how this other crowd is reacting to that. If the crowd is reacting to this in this way, then let's see if I can amp it up and really make this go even higher. Or if it's somewhere the crowd necessarily isn't responding, you could pull something completely out of your ass out of nowhere. And all of a sudden the crowd goes from maybe not being fully into the show. And all of a sudden that's the thing they remember throughout the whole entire night and the next morning. And it completely turns the show around in, in like a, in a snap or yeah, I gotta do that mm-hmm. in a snap. There we go. I kind of yeah. missed. Yeah, my, my, I, I can snap sometimes. There's sometimes <laughs> I can't. I should have gone with this hand. This is better. But it, it could easily happen. It's just being open to working with the crowd, but also open to understanding how am I going to make these fans remember our band in the morning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got experience, man. You got to and you got to watch yourself and readapt. Like I said, let's see. There's a whole, uh, there's a whole thing. There's a lot of thing to do except the music in this market. Uh, it, it's fun to do, but there, there, there's still a lot of work beside the music. Oh, there, there's so much work besides just going out there making the music. I mean, what it goes. There's so much work when it comes to marking the music, making sure the music is perfected, making sure people, getting people to listen to it, getting people to come out to the shows, making those live shows perform or, and create those performances that people are going to remember in the morning, consistently doing this on a night to night basis. If you're on a long run, uh, the logistics behind going from one place to another, potentially having to sleep in a van for like 40, 50 days. There's mm-hmm. so much more behind it than just making the music that, I mean, I probably didn't even include like, tw- I probably didn't include, I probably only included like a 10th of what actually happens. There's probably so mm-hmm. much more of it behind it that I didn't even mention at that point. The stress between each release. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like, how are people going to hand take this? How are yeah. people going to like this? Are they, mm-hmm. are they gonna, are they, should we have gone with this style in the song? Should we go with that one? No, when it comes to music, write, write the music, flow it with, flow with it naturally. And just, if people don't like, if people don't like that song, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of times where all of a sudden bands have made songs where all of a sudden I listen to them, like, seeing some of my favorite bands, those songs, I'm like, what the hell were you guys thinking? 
does it make does it make me change my overall viewpoint of the band if they kept going on and on like that'd be like okay what maybe not the biggest fan of this band anymore but do i still like all the stuff that i liked about the band beforehand absolutely that ain't gonna change mm-hmm. yeah of, of course of course because i'm trying to give a good example like that um like 30 seconds to mars I like their self-telling. I love The Beautiful Eye. I love This Is War. Their last two albums, I really don't like at all. Do I still like the band? Yeah, I've seen them live a couple of times. So, like, I, I still like going, I still like the band, but there's certain things I don't like about them. However, when I think about the band overall, I'm like, I still have a positive, uh, a positive, like, mindset relationship with that band. So, when it comes to, like, worrying about between each release, yeah, some releases are going to be a lot better than others. Not No no release is going to be the exact same as the one before or the one after mm-hmm. it. I mean, you're not going to have something where all of a sudden you're going to be, you know, get, like, for a bigger band, I'll use Falling in Reverse as an example. You're not going to get somewhere you're going to get, like, a couple million streams and all of a sudden you come out with Popular Monster and it gets, like, it just blows up, like, out of nowhere mm-hmm. because credit to that song, it is fucking fantastic. But it's not something that's going to, that's not, that's not normal. That's, that's that's an outlier in there. Mm-hmm. But it did construct it, it did build like uh, a pretty good fan base. It did a lot of a lot of work on this song. It it, it touched a lot of uh, music interest in that special specifically in that song. Uh it touched the metal scene, the punk scene, the pop scene, the the rap scene. So it it really uh, took interest in a lot of viewers in uh, in the specific song. so It's a it's good work for it's really good work, and he, he, that's funny because he only released like like he said in one of his uh, in one of his main posts. Randy Rodriguez said, uh, "I released two songs and in 2019 and uh, two songs in 2020, something like that, and I doubled my number. I'm never gonna be uh, pressed by uh, by delay uh, quality over quantity." <laughs> yeah, I, I, and actually. It worked. It worked. Honestly, it was amazing. How, what what the what he did what he did with those uh, with just two songs like he really exploded his market. It's it's amazing, man. How he can transform uh, his song because uh, I follow his work since the Dragon Me is Yuba from from Escape the Fame too, but he still managed to give uh, something more. At each album, some band uh, switched completely of uh, styles between albums. Uh, the best example that I could give you is Bring Me the Horizon. Oh yeah, oh yeah. We'll ne- ne- never give you an album uh, I- identical that before. Example, the-, the best example for myself is uh, Ray for uh, no, Country Blessing, Suicide Season, Straight Change Up. Uh, uh, there is there is a L there. They're just they're, 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 they're the longest song. The, the name of the album is yeah. so long, but yeah, there is a L after that. Semper Journal and that's the spirit. They're always evolving. Ronnie Rackett did the same thing, but in a more, I think, in a more uh, less drastic change that what that what Bring Me the Horizon does. But, but man, it still evolves with the scene, give new proposition, innovate with this song. The great job, and nothing to say against mm-hmm. it. Yeah, kind of like bringing this a little bit more to a wrap, a little more to a close. One thing I would say is like when it comes to whole, like like with Ronnie Racky with what he did, like for Suicide for a King. Here's what I'll say about this: when it comes to Ronnie Racky, this like you don't want to you don't want to just like you want to use your style, but watch what he does in terms of just like creating music. What he does to 
put it out there. Just kind of the, the way that he goes about certain things when it comes to release music, how he promotes it. Because he always, like, ever since, you know, Escape the Fate, he always seems to be ahead of the curve on something. So if you kind of just, like, pay attention to it, it seems like all of a sudden you can kind of maybe pick off certain things that he's doing. Kind of be able to put them into how Suicide Bird King is going to release a certain song or how they're going, how you guys are going to do or put out something in terms of like a some sort of press, do something online, whatever it might be, because it seems like that guy is just ahead of the curve on something on every single aspect. And it's it's not it's not copying him, it's kind of deconstructing how he does it mm-hmm. and then yeah. figuring out that process and then being able to use that process in order to help grow suicide for a king. Each artist has his own way to promote them their, themselves. I mean, for Ronnie Radke, he has a strong personality, a great image. Uh, he, what he does, it, it works. It, it works really, really good for him. Like he, he saw what people loves about him, and he used it well. So uh, every band have his propositions to how they they want to show their image to 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 the markets. And Ronnie Radke does a pretty good job. He, he put himself in good values. He, he, uh, he well, he, he's a character also. He, like the Ronnie Racky character, like he, he, he constructs the whole image between that, and it's it's, it's working. It's really, really fantastic. He's, he's original. He's, he, I mean, he, he does a really good job to promote himself. I, I can assure you that. Yeah, like I'm like again. I'm not saying like just do exactly what I'm what I'm saying about kind of like deconstructing that process, figuring out like the base of how things work and like you're talking about you know he's got a strong personality he's got kind of an addictive personality when it comes to just watching some of the stuff he does and it's just like he uses that and he uses that to his advantage so when it comes to that it's kind of like what's at the what's at the base of that it's using your personality and figuring out how to maximize on that personality to promote your band so when it comes to suicide for a king it's how are you going to promote on all the or how are you going to maximize on all the personalities of the band members in order to promote the band. The SpongeBob thing absolutely works out for this. That's funny because right now, because I'm studying in business school. So that's, that's how, that's why I know some, some of the market stuff and uh, the, the image and stuff like that. And right now for my, my homework, I have to, to, uh, pre, to create uh, one, like the, our business model for a band because you know, business uh, music is business. So we have to create our model and we have to create the image and we have to, to emphasize it. Like what, what we are, we have to show people what are we, what are we capable of? So that's funny because it, that all the stuff that we're speaking of right now is what I'm doing for my homework. So uh, that's good. That's good. Oh, oh. The, and like the reason I'm smiling through all this is just because the fact that when I was in college, I didn't go to business school, but I went, I was an econ major. I had a business management minor Mm-hmm. So I went through all of this stuff as well. And I think about all this stuff at the same time too. So this is just like, it's just awesome hearing that like, you know, you're doing this exact same thing mm-hmm. and you're like working through this in school as well. Just, it, it just, I'm just like kind of blown away at this point. Yeah. Man, hey, music is, it's a, it's a business. Like it's, it's, it's really about the passion, stuff like that. But the music, it's only 50% of what it is like. Yeah, it's a business. You have to uh, book a show. You have to uh, to calculate budget. You have to. There, there's so many things behind this that you have to know everything about this. You have to know how to operate, how to deal with with the uh, with the, the the corporation stuff like that. So, if you don't understand the basics of business, you're gonna have a hard time to uh, like to adjust your 
your your your enterprise, if I could say that way. Yeah, you can say it that way. But it seems like when it comes down to it, when it boils down to it, I think Suicide for a King is in very good hands with the fact that you're aware of all this stuff. You know of all this stuff. And really when it comes down to it, having that thought process, especially during this time of COVID lockdown, no live shows and every anything, the focus that you have on that and understanding all this stuff is going to pay off so much for Suicide for a King in, a lo- in the long run that, I mean, give it a couple of years, all of a sudden I'm going to be going to see a show here at the Rave in the ballroom, you know, a couple thousand people and Suicide for a King is going to be the headliner. And you're going to see me, you know, potentially get hurt in a mosh pit. And all of a sudden you'll be looking down and be like, just thinking all of a sudden, oh shit, did Kevin get hurt? Yeah, he got hurt. Is he okay? Well, he's getting up. He doesn't need any help or something. Okay, he, he might be bleeding, but he's having a good time. He's fine. We're good. <laughs> I'll I'll throw you a bottle of water to <laughs> to heal help your wounds. Unless you unless unless I have a giant cut on my face again, and then you hit me in the bot with a bottle of water like right in my face, right <laughs> in the cut, and it gets worse. Don't worry, I'll still laugh it off. It'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna be cautious about this. Oh, you'll oh you'll oh don't worry, you'll be fine. And even on that note, I mean, because. As we're coming to the close of the podcast, I want to make sure you get to your next thing as well that you have to do after shooting this one. So um, before I do my whole entire spiel to the close this out, um, I would like to give the guest a chance to say anything they want at the end, plug anything they want, kind of like now is the time. So Jeremy, the floor is yours. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Hey, this is Suicide Freaking. And uh, you were listening to my. Uh, no, that's the worst thing. Ah, uh, uh, I'll I'll do it again. Okay. Hey, this is Suicide for a King. You you were you were listening to us, and now I just screwed up again. Okay, listen to it. That was Jay from Suicide for a King. You were listening to Carp. The Chord Progression the, the, the Podcast. Pro- <laughs> you know. Okay. Hi, right, this is Jay from Suicide for a King, and you were listening to Core Progression. There's a lot of stuff going on with us in in the newer newer. Uh, a couple of months. Oh my god, I suck at. Uh, wait, I mean, wait, I, wait. I, oh, trust me. If you want me to, if you want me to do a full entire like outro plug for you guys, I can do something. No, no, wait. No, this one I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do it right. So the, uh, I'm Jay from Suicide for a King. You were listening to us in uh, at the Core Progression Part Podcast. If you want to subscribe to our channel, you can do it. We got a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I don't want to spoil. Listen to me. I don't want to spoil for uh, new, newer, newer content. But we might have some stuff that's coming really, really soon. Not uh, supposed to talk about it right now, but but there's some stuff coming out like really, really soon. So if you don't want to miss this this thing out, you have to click the bottom. The, the bottom, the bottom, yes. You have to click the bottom, the, the one that does click, and you're going to be subscribed, and you're going to be aware when this new baby is going to come out. Awesome. Okay, now time for me to yeah. close this one out. So when it comes to Suicide for a King, when it comes to the new, new stuff, the new Square stuff, and find out all about them now, keeping on tabs with them, I know you guys want to be able to find them as easy as possible. I got you covered. So go to the Scriptures Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Podcast, Who Play, iHeartRadio. You're going to find all their social media links there. You're going to find their YouTube link, their, their website, their merch, where you can stream their music. I'm going to have all the links there for you, along with mine as well, so that you can find both myself and Suicide for King as easy as possible. I'm going to make it a one-stop shop. 
Again, you guys, this is convenience right there for you because you want to be in the know when the new new stuff from Suicide Bird King comes out. And also, Jerry, because I brought up that whole entire uh, idea with the uh, the Winnebago thing, told you about that. If that doesn't happen, I get to see you guys for the first time. This isn't an if. This is a promise of when I get to see you guys for the first time. The promise is first round's on me. I'll never forget that. Oh, oh, do not forget that because even if I'm, you know, dead in the mosh pit, just I'll, I'll tell them to just sit me by the bar and I'll say, you guys got to come. Just take my debit card out. We'll be fine. So on that note, Jimmy, I cannot get conscious of this podcast with goodbye because that just seems like we're going to end this completely. And that's not going to be the case because I want to see you guys play live. I can't wait to watch a growth of Suicide for a King. So I'm going to end it with this. See you later. Well, well, folks, this is my interview with Jeremy from the band Suicide for a King out of Montreal, Quebec, Canada. Yes, their Black Metal Corsal is something you're definitely going to want to check out. Their most recent song as of recording this is The Worst of Us. So check it out on their Spotify, Apple Podcast, not Apple Podcast, Apple Music, wherever the heck you can find it. Again, I got links in the description below for everything. And also, make sure you get in line with this band as well. Follow all their stuff, listen to their music because they got new stuff coming sometime soon. Hopefully, real soon. And also, when live shows are in, this is definitely a band you're going to want to check out live. You're going to want to make sure you see them. So make sure you do that. And also follow us and everything with MSUD Rocks and the Core Progression Podcast. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Subscribe to this YouTube channel. Also, if you like the audio stream, this is Podcast, Google Play, iHeartRadio. Links are all there for those. And on that note, that's going to be for you today, guys. Thank you for watching listening to the Core Progression Podcast. with MSUD Rocks for Rock and Metal Thrive. My name is Kevin. And you guys know how I am every single one. That was the big, healthy, and hearty. See you. Yeah.